The following audio content is a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org. In a world of bipolar spiritualities, Holy Week invites us to a mature faith in which we can learn to hold together both our sorrow and our joy. We've been reading the Psalms, which uh, rock star and uh, global activist Bono certainly has observed, uh, is a book of songs. And it's a book of songs in which we find both gospel music and the blues. This is how Bono uh, puts it. Bono, now, he's a, uh, obviously a very famous rock star seems to have great empathy for David uh, as one who knows what it's like to live that lifestyle. So he writes, at age of 12, I was a fan of David. He felt familiar, like a pop star could feel familiar. The words of the psalm were as poetic as they were religious, and he was a star. Before David could fulfill the prophecy and become the king of Israel, he had to take quite a beating. He was forced into exile, ended up in a cave in some no-name border town facing the collapse of his ego and abandonment by God. But this is where the soap opera got interesting. This is where David was said to have composed his first psalm, a blues. That's what a lot of the psalms feel like to me, the blues. Man shouting at God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? Psalm 22. I hear echoes of this holy row when unholy bluesman Robert Johnson howls, there's a hellhound on my trail. Or Van Morrison sings, sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Texas Alexander mimics the Psalms in Justice Blues. I cried, Lord, my father, Lord, kingdom come, send me back my woman, then thy will be done. Humorous, sometimes blasphemous, the blues was backsliding music. But by its very opposition, it flattered the subject of its perfect cousin, gospel. Abandonment and displacement are the stuff of my favorite psalms, Bonner writes. The Psalter may be a fount of gospel music, but for me, it's despair that the psalmist really reveals and the nature of his special relationship with God. The blues and gospel music together in the same collection. That's the Psalter. And we've been singing the songs uh, of the blues this series as we look at Psalms of the Honest Heart. But what strikes my fancy this morning is that we find in Psalm 22, our text for the day, both blues and gospel. In the very same text. Let's look at that together. Would you open up your Bible to Psalm 22? Or if you didn't bring one, you can find a pew Bible there in front of you in in the text on page 434. Psalm 22. Listen as I read God's word to us this morning. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but find no rest. Yet, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. In you, they cried and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. (laughs) But I am a worm and not human scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth and since my mother bore me, You have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there's no one to help. Many bulls encircle me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melted within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs are all around me. A company of evildoers encircles me. My hands and feet have shriveled. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among themselves. And for my clothing, they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. O my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. From the horns of the wild oxen, you have rescued me. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel, for he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows... I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord. and He rules over the nations. To him, indeed, shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall... Bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has 
done it. This is the word of the Lord. Do you hear these two songs? This song we would call blues. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? His crisis is individual. He's come to the end of his individual resources. Perhaps he's struggling with a mortal illness. Verse 14, he says, I'm poured out like water. My bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. Seems to be a mortal crisis. You lay me in the dust of death. The end of his individual resources. He is also at the end of his social resources. He pictures himself the center of a closing circle of crisis. I'm a worm and not a human, scorned by others, despised by people. All who see me mock me. They open their mouths only to bear lion's teeth, reproaching, hating, challenging, and the circle tightens. I'm at the end of my social resources, but most of all, Lord, help me because I am at the end of my spiritual resources. At that very moment in the midst of pain when one might expect the megaphone of God to be shouting to me, I hear nothing but radio silence from God. Where are you when I need you? Where have you gone? Why so far from me? And so... It's a song of desperation. That's what the blues have always been about. They've always been songs of desperation. And of course, they've been sung before. They were sung in the days of Hezekiah. Hezekiah sang the blues in Jerusalem. In the 7th century, when Israel was invaded by the Assyrians and they came in and encircled the holy city, Jerusalem, Hezekiah was there to hear the taunts, the accusations of his enemies in front of the people from the wall. This was the end of Israel as we had known it. And at that time, Hezekiah felt mortally ill. The prophet Isaiah came to Hezekiah and said, the Lord has told me, you're not going to survive this one. And so there he lays, dying, besieged, crying out, singing the blues. Hezekiah sang the blues. Moses sang the blues as well. Moses, the Israelite, among Israelites, oppressed in Egypt under the injustice of the Pharaoh, who builds great monuments to death with the people of Israel, caring nothing about their humanity, only wanting uh, the commodity of their labor. Give me more bricks with less straw. And the Israelites, as their firstborn male sons are taken from them in the rivers of the Nile, will sing the blues. Abraham would sing the blues. In the land of Moriah, Abraham would walk with his son Isaac, having been impotent. Sterile for a hundred years of life after hearing the Lord promise him that you will be blessed with a son, a child. Not you, but all the nations of the earth will be blessed with this child someday. 
And yet he's given instruction to go to Moriah and offer this son in child sacrifice. Abraham sings the blues. Adam and Eve sing the blues in the land east of Eden. Because they had done the one thing, the only thing that they had been prohibited to do. Don't eat that one tree. And they ate it. Why? Just because. Just because. And now they travel expelled from Eden. God's presence. East of flaming swords, the holy weapons of God that will prevent them from re-entering into his presence. Their children will murder one another and they will say, why have you forsaken me? They sing the blues. But then in verse 21, halfway through this song, the key suddenly changes right in the middle of the verse. The tune is a different one. And the psalmist begins singing a totally different song. It's gospel music. And and the, the theme of it is, he has done it. The very last line of this tune. He he tells us in verse 25 that I am going to go into the presence of God's people, the congregation, and offer my vow. It's a votive offering. A votive offering would be an offering you could see in Leviticus 7 that that God allowed if you had made a pledge and you had fulfilled it with God's strength. You were able to come forward and give thanks to God in the midst of the congregation. You'd bring an offering. It would be sacrificed for you. The priest would keep some and they would return a portion for you. And you would then share that feast, that thanksgiving feast with your family and your friends and with the Levites. And here we see a song in which this psalmist articulates with whom he intends to share this feast of celebration. He said, not just for my family, this is for the poor. This is for everybody who are afflicted, for everybody who seeks God. This feast will be eaten by all those to the very ends of the earth, all the families of the world, even those who have yet to be born, those who have already died. That's the kind of feast he celebrates Well, he seems to see this coming. As he prays his blues song, we begin to feel its grip slipping on him. If you notice that these, uh, this is a lament, and a lament has a complaint and a trust section. Here he repeats the complaint and the trust section, going back and forth like a cold lawnmower that's starting on the second and third pole. Slowly he's warming up. He says, I, but you, I, But you, and he begins to sense that there is another voice in the midst of this song. There is another one singing with him. In verse 21, there's no transition. There is nothing that will mark the change from one style of music to the other. It's as though a bridge is just lost. And somewhere in the space of an inhale or an exhale, in that very moment, the psalmist hears another singer singing in his blues song. A, a second a voice. It's gospel music. Well, gospel music is nothing new. Gospel music has been sung before. Gospel music has been sung by Adam and Eve. 
when they overhear the Lord pronounce a curse on the serpent and promise Eve that she would one day bear a child, a child who will crush the head of the serpent's offspring, who will end the the war and the suffering and the pain and the brokenness of this creation once and for all. Adam and Eve sing gospel music. Well, Abraham had sung gospel music when there in the plains of Moriah, an angel appears and says, Stop, Abraham. Holds the knife. It is not God's will that your son would die, but it's God's will that a lamb would replace him. Stuck in the thickets. And he comes and father and son, Abraham and Isaac, will sing gospel music together. God has provided Moses sang gospel music because with the Egyptians, the armies of Pharaoh breathing down their backs, suddenly the Red Sea just opens up and the nation of Israel finds themselves crossing to safety on dry land towards the promised land. And they will sing, he has delivered us. Our Lord is a warrior. It's gospel music. Hezekiah will sing a gospel Music from his deathbed. We read in 2 Kings 20, verse 5, words to Isaiah from the Lord. Turn back, Isaiah, and say to Hezekiah, prince of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of your ancestor, David. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Indeed, I will heal you on the third day. You shall go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of the Assyrians. I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Then Isaiah said, bring a lump of figs. Let them take it and apply it to the boil so that Hezekiah may recover. And he sings gospel music. But how is it that we can sing the blues and the gospel music in the same song? Exactly how does that happen? We certainly get the impression that this one who does so has not yet been delivered from his crisis. He's still very much in the midst of this circle of affliction. If it were not the case... Uh, this would have been a, a song of thanksgiving, and we have many examples in the Psalter of songs of thanksgiving, but no, this is clearly a lament. So he still finds himself in this place of desperation, and yet he can sing gospel music. Peter gives us insight into how this might have happened. Peter has a, an inspired moment in which he begins to appreciate how it is that the prophetic word was shaped by the Holy Spirit in ancient times. He says in First Peter 1, concerning this salvation, the gospel, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be made yours, carefully searched, inquiring, inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you 
in regard to the things that have now been announced to you through those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. Peter says it's as though the host of heaven, all of the angels are leaning over the balcony of heaven to look down when a prophet did his work. And even the prophet himself is wrestling, sensing that this message is for more than myself, that it's somehow about a suffering servant who will come. Somehow it's about the vindication of that servant in glory. And so as this psalmist sings the blues, he begins to sense that there is someone else singing in his song. We wouldn't find out who this one is until many centuries later. It was not until Good Friday when Jesus Christ hangs on the cross that all of a sudden there's an aha moment and all who watched him and all who heard him sing on that cross knew immediately whose voice this was that the psalmist had heard. Psalm 22 and verse 7 says, All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads saying, Commit your cause to the Lord. But Matthew, who was there that day at the foot of the cross, says, Those who pass by derided Jesus, shaking their heads. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he wants to. For he said, I am God's son. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. And the psalmist would write, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. John, who was there at the foot of the cross that day, remembers that in John chapter 19, verse 34, instead, One of the soldiers pierced his side, Jesus, with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. The psalmist had sung, My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. John recalls in chapter 19, 28, After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. The psalmist had sung, they divided my clothes among themselves and for my clothing they cast lots. John remembers, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. And then at the end, At three o'clock, Matthew tells us, Jesus, with his arms outstretched, at a loss for breath, no longer able to pull himself up on the stake to draw the next one, cries out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And immediately we know who is singing the blues with the psalmist. Now, it's important to know, this is not Jesus' song that the psalmist is singing. Jesus is a cover artist. (laughs) Jesus is singing the song that we sing, friends. This psalm 
was not primarily meant for prophetic purposes. It was meant for use in the liturgy of Israel. It had been sung for generations among the people of Israel. It had been sung by those who festered with cancerous wounds unto their own death. It had been sung by people whose parents had been slaughtered or killed or died in tragedy, left alone to grieve. It had been sung by people who had lost their means of providing for their family, who endured the shame. It had been sung by those who struggled with their own impotence or loneliness and desperate desire to have a family but who could not. Why have you forsaken me? This is our song. But on the cross... It's the song that Jesus wants to sing. He wants to sing your song of desperation for you so that you can sing gospel music. Hebrews 5 tells us that in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. To the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard. He was heard. Friends, if Jesus can sing your song of pain. And if you can know that he was heard. Then you can know that you have been heard as well. And that there is someone else singing your blues. So you can sing his gospel. They seem to be singing gospel on Palm Sunday. Jesus, he rides on a colt. It's a royal gesture. Everybody's happy. Hosanna means God save us. And yet some scholars think that the meaning of that phrase had long since been lost, possibly to human cynicism, and had simply become a, a, a song, a sound of acclamation or greeting. And so without understanding what they were really singing, the Israelites sang to Jesus, Hosanna, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they take off their clothes to throw it across his path because no one would want any harm to come to their king who is going to save them. And yet in the space of a week, they would unclothe Jesus and they would expose his flesh to the barbs of a whip. And the music will change and Jesus will be lifted up on a cross. And then it is Jesus who will sing the most important song that has ever been sung among human people. It is Jesus who will sing for you and me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a rebel song. It's the song of a person who could never get his life straight. It's the song of a person who may have known that there was a God, but never cared to live in relationship with him. It's the song of a person whose life is utterly broken and lost and destitute. Paul would remember that moment and say he was cursed to bear our curse. Peter would remember and say by his wounds, you have been healed. Now you have been returned to the shepherd of the sheep. You may still be sick. You may still sing the blues just as this psalmist sings the blues. But it is now our privilege in the midst of the blues to sing gospel. There will be gospel singing this year, Easter morning. Amen.
All University Presbyterian Church online audio is available on both CD and cassette. If you would like to support the mission of UPC by ordering copies of sermons or classes, please visit www.upc.org forward slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.